Welcome to the Midlife Career Rebel, the podcast created for high-achieving professional women to gain the clarity, confidence, and courage they need to go after and get the life and career they want. I'm your host, Dr. Carol Parker-Walsh, lawyer, social scientist, brand strategist, executive coach, entrepreneur, and midlife career rebel. Each week, you'll learn strategies to manage your mind, navigate the challenges of midlife, and take control of your career so you can thrive doing the work you love. So if you're ready to tear up that rule book and create your own, you're in the right place. And I can't wait to show you how. Hey, Rebels, and happy Thanksgiving! I recorded this episode earlier in the month, but it's being aired today on Turkey Day. And if you're tuning in, let me first say thank you. And secondly, I hope you're having an amazing time with your family and loved ones today. Also, if you're in the podcast listening mood, I want you to also check out one of my earlier podcasts I did on Thanksgiving last year on developing the practice of gratitude, particularly as we're on the cusp of heading into a new year. It may be a fun one to listen to. So today, however, I want to talk about the women and underrepresented women leaders in the workplace as it relates to quiet quitting, the great breakup, and the findings in the latest McKinsey report, Women in the Workplace 2022. But before we get started, I think it's always important to assure that we are grounded in what we're talking about and we're on the same page. So um. A few months ago, in late summer, the term quiet quitting hit social media and went viral, right? You probably already read all about it, but I want to share my two cents around it this time. And it's been defined as doing the minimum requirements of one's job and putting in no time or effort or enthusiasm than absolutely necessary. But they're still collecting a paycheck, but just doing no more than what's required. Now, When I first heard about quiet quitting, I really wasn't surprised by it because frankly, if you're a midlife career professional, you've probably quiet quitted a few jobs yourself in your lifetime. I know I have. So for me, it wasn't a new phenomena, but it's nice that we at least have some language to describe what people have been doing for years. In fact, I know there are some out there who would just call it working, not quiet quitting, because they never had a desire to do more than what was absolutely necessary to get the job done. And we know those people. Hell, we've worked with those people and have usually complained about them because we end up doing more work because of how little they're doing. But I'll save that conversation for another episode. The question that quiet quitting has raised for me, however, is the why. Like, why are people choosing to do the minimum required? While it's certainly not the most advantageous strategy for promotion or advancement opportunities, why are people willing to risk it? Now, I don't think it's a surprise when I say there are basically one of two factors at play here. One, they don't love what they're doing, and they're simply just there to get a paycheck, and they have no other options available. Or two, the organization isn't fostering an environment of inclusion and engagement to inspire them to give more than what they're giving or even to really stay there, right? And that's the conversation that I don't see a lot of. Many articles are focusing on the first point, the why, suggesting that people just quit and find another way to enjoy their work. But I believe too little attention has been placed on the what 
organizations are doing, that part of it, or better yet, what they're not doing to inspire engagement in their employees. But I want to hold that for a moment because I want to also level our conversation around the great breakup. Now, the Great Breakup is a term used in the most recent McKinsey report to describe the large exodus of women leaders from the workplace. Specifically, women are demanding more from their work and they're leaving their companies in unprecedented numbers, right? So women leaders are switching jobs at the highest rates we've ever seen before, much greater than their male counterparts. And as a result, companies are really struggling to hold on to the relatively few women leaders they actually have. And all of these dynamics are even more pronounced when we start looking at underrepresented women and women of color. And I believe this is one of the most profound statements from the report about this issue of the great breakup. They said the reason for the great breakup is because it's increasingly important for women leaders that they work for companies that prioritize flexibility, employee well-being, and diversity, equity, and inclusion. And if companies don't take action, they won't just lose the current women leaders that they have, but they'll also risk losing the next generation of women leaders as well because people won't stay, promote, or even come to the organization. So the reason I think this is so profound is because basically what they're saying is that these are personal issues, things that have long been thought of not to be brought at to work, that is just about the work. But what they're showing is that this is very personal. It's about values. It's about how someone feels, how someone is treated. Like these things have always been important, but this is why women are ready to walk away from multiple six-figure earnings and salaries, because these needs are not being met. And it's the key change that I've seen across workplaces and women's engagement with their work since the pandemic. And this is not going to change. Despite the progress that's been made, we're still having the same conversations, not only about the obstacles to advancement, but the struggles women and particularly underrepresented women continue to have in the workplace, where they are unable to thrive because they're doing all they can just to survive. And then we're confused about why people are quiet quitting right? Instead of just leaving. You know, when it comes to women and other underrepresented women, I believe they're quietly quitting because of the economic wage gap in conjunction with the current economy that's requiring them to stay. So to say those in situations should just quit and find something they enjoy discounts the struggle and the challenges of doing that when the economics may not be feasible or allowing them to do it right now. Also, there may be a lack of belief that going someplace new is going to be any different than where they are now, where many believe equity and inclusion are nothing more than illusions. So let's talk about what could be done about it, because I have some opinions that I want to share. (laughs) Now, my work centers around helping high achieving women, particularly women leaders, discovering the meaningful and fulfilling work they want to do. That's no secret. They usually lack the clarity of direction and the confidence to make the change. And we help them to overcome both so they can have what I call career life alignment, meaning they're doing fulfilling, impactful work that's aligned to their values, vision, and lifestyle needs. And I have been having, I can't even tell you how many conversations with women over the last two months who are in this exact space. So from my perspective, if you're quiet quietly quitting and you feel stuck or trapped, then I highly recommend that you take some time to discover 
what's next for you, right? To do this work. What's the right direction for your career? And will that direction help you find the meaningful work you're meant to do in the world? In my proven framework, I break down the inner and outer game required strategies to succeed. Now, fundamentally, what I'm talking about, and this is just some basics, I'm talking about clarity, confidence, connection, and commitment. And these four C's are embedded in the framework that I use to help women discover what's right for them. Right. So first, you have to get clear about your gifts, talents and abilities and what you have to offer the world. You want to get the confidence in the value you bring and what you are doing and who you are. Fundamentally, you have to connect with the right organizations and people and places to ensure that you land in those places that are aligned with your values and also values your genius and what you bring to the table. And you have to make a commitment to being in the driver's seat of your career, not tolerating or settling, but getting what you truly deserve and desire. And this is just a very overview of the deep levels in which we go within each one of these, because there are components within each of them in order for you to thrive. But basically, we're talking about clarity, confidence, connection, and commitment. And that's fundamentally the work that I do with my clients who are discovering and getting the careers they want. I'll also be actually, by the way, doing a training and coaching on a piece of this model in the upcoming event that I have called What's Next Week. These are strategies for discovering your next best step in your career. And we'll be teaching and coaching on this for five days straight live, starting on Monday, November 28th through Friday, December 2nd. And I'll drop a link in the show notes so you can reserve your spot if you want to work through this kind of clarity, confidence, connection and commitment piece. Now, on the other hand, if you are an if your um, if your employer is trying to get it right, right, they are trying to do the right thing, but they're still falling short and not providing you with the work culture where you feel like you belong, where you feel like you have a voice, where you feel like you can make an impact, maybe where you've been ignored or overlooked, then as a leader in that organization, I suggest you propose that they stop with the typical approaches to doing this work and actually do something new. Despite the gains that have happened over the years and all the recruitment efforts organizations have engaged in, women, especially women of color, are still dramatically underrepresented in corporate America and especially in senior leadership levels, right? And with the mass accidents, it's getting worse. And the report talks about how one in four C-suite leaders are women, but one in 20 are women of color, despite their desire to be promoted and to step into higher levels of leadership there still exists no or very little opportunity for them. So instead of focusing your time on training and recruitment, why not create women executive pipelines for promotion, right? Something new and different. Why not work proficiently or preparing and situating your high potentials to step into leadership roles over the next 12 months? Stop training white leaders to tolerate or work with staff or other women of color, right? And instead, get women of color and women leaders in senior level positions so that 
the training can happen basically on the job so that it can happen through daily interactions with those who don't look like them, right? Instead of trying to teach them ways, just put them in experiences and put them in situations where they're engaging with people other than them so they can learn through that process. There's no better way to learn something than through an immersive immersive process, right? It's how people learn languages, it's how people learn cultures by just going there and immersing yourself in it. If you allow them to immerse themselves around other leaders who don't look like them, you would have more opportunity to continue to move people up into those levels and stop dealing with the issues that we're facing with now. Experts agree that diversity enhances business outcomes when you have women leaders and that revenue increases by as much as 12%. So we have to start changing the promotion ratios by allowing for more advancement. Right now, for every 100 people that are promoting, of white males who are promoted, only 80 some odd women and women of color leaders are promoted. So let's change those ratios. Over the last five years, Also, I've had the pleasure and privilege of coaching and facilitating communities of women leaders within and across organizations to unapologetically own their voice and power while overcoming the gender and racial barriers, while also elevating them into higher levels of leadership. And these experiences have shown me that there is a need for women to have access to a female collective designed to gain greater clarity, confidence, and commitment for the ability to develop as empathetic leaders that represent the future of work. And this support system encourages and celebrates a feminine approach to leadership that's not grounded in the patriarchy and also positions women leaders as whole, full, and capable instead of needing to be quote unquote developed all the time, right? That drives me crazy. Another reason women leaders of color and those in the LGBTQ plus community and women with disabilities are breaking up with organizations is because of the constant microaggressions, the lack of support, isolation, and the feeling of being underappreciated. So creating communities or circles of support actually allows women to get the support they need from others as well as developing strategies to help the organization dismantle those often unchecked behaviors. So start taking advantage of the cultural capital and unique skill sets of the women leaders in your organization to design clear pathways for change, retention, and advancement. Now, McKinsey also talked about the fact that managers just aren't trained and equipped to deal with this. And I couldn't agree more. And I've said for years that the old ways of leadership development are outdated and they just don't work because, again, they've always come from a patriarchal perspective and not given voice or space to how women develop and step into leadership and actually realize their leadership. We keep using the same practices and getting the same results. And excuse me, as I remember, I'm pretty sure that's the definition of insanity. I always say that in order to have something you never had before, you got to do something you never done before. You can't keep following the same old scripts of diversity training and hiring practices, but not creating a culture that supports people to thrive. You got to get deeper into the psyche and the humanity of the people within the organizations and shift their thinking to shift their behaviors in a way that truly fosters a supportive and pluralistic culture. That means investing in facilitated experiences that push leaders toward personal introspective and increased self-awareness. It's time to stop talking only about the business case and also position the moral case for change. 
Now, as one of my mentors, Ella Bell, a professor at Dartmouth and member of my dissertation committee, once told me years ago that organizations are in society. They're not apart from it. Our societies aren't monolithic. So why are we trying to create homogeneous patriarchal organizations and asking women leaders to deny who they are in an effort to blend in so they can go along to get along? Instead of emphasizing the value of a workplace that embraces all styles and ways of thinking and being. Look at where it's gotten us, according to the McKinsey Report. One in three Black women leaders say that they've been denied or passed over for opportunities because of personal characteristics around their race or gender. 58% of Black women leaders are undermined by having their judgment constantly questioned. Women of color, women with diversities, and LGBTQ plus women are struggling with microaggressions and being questioned about their talents and their abilities constantly. Latinas and Black women feel less psychologically safe and are less likely than other women to say their manager shows interest in their career development than even ask them questions about it. And Asian and Black women are less likely to have strong team allies. Like that's what all that we've been doing has gotten us so far. We got to do something different. We got to abandon these one size fits all off the shelf leadership development practices and bias trainings because my friends, they're just not working effectively. At least the last seven years, I've been reviewing the McKinsey reports are showing me that. And listen, if you don't know how to shake things up, bring in underrepresented women consultants who are advocating for a new way of doing this work. Bring them into your organizations to help you. Stop bringing in the people who are repeating the same old stuff and look for people who are going to bring something new and exciting. Now, I know that there's a, this is a lot to take in on Turkey Day. <laughs> I kind of dropped a lot of stuff in your lap right now. But I want to encourage you to take a moment as we're closing out 2022 and ask yourself, where are you situated in this conversation? Are you quiet quitting? Are you considering joining the great breakup? Are you struggling with what feels like an illusion of change in your organization? And then I want you to ask yourself, what's next? Do you need to get clear about what it is that you want to understand and value your skills and talents and confidently find a place that will honor and appreciate what you bring to the table? If that's the case, I highly recommend that you take some time to do this work. But if you're in a position of leadership, love what you do, but the culture hasn't shifted in a way to truly support you and you don't want to quiet quit or break up, consider bringing some of the suggestions I shared above to your organization. Do you need to create a supportive circle of support for your underrepresented women leaders in your organization? Does your organization need to create a new and robust executive leadership pipeline for women? Or do they need to rethink their training and leadership development efforts to embrace a more pluralistic and introspective approach? Maybe you need them all. And if you can't start organization-wide, maybe you can start in your own backyard, in your department, with your team, to show the impact of what taking this new approach has done for the people within your group. As the report said, there's a whopping gap between what's expected of management and how they're being trained and particularly rewarded for doing this work. I also invite you before the year out, 
is to hop on the phone with me and let's have a mini strategy session to talk about where you are and the gap between where you want to go and what you actually want to get there. All right. As you're doing this work, if you want the support and help to get to that next level, let's hop on the phone and talk about it. Are you in the quiet quitting category? Are you ready to break up and need support stepping into something that makes the best sense for you? I'm going to provide the link in the show notes so that you can just click on it, get on my calendar, and we can talk about your next step, what's next for you and your new path. And if you're in an executive or senior leadership role and you're at your wits wits end about how to support change in your organization's culture, let's schedule a session and talk about that as well. Let's talk about what's going on and how I can help support that within your organization. Listen, thanks for listening. Happy Thanksgiving. And until next time, I want you to have an amazingly rebellious week. Take care. Hey, if you're loving what you're learning on the podcast, then you've got to come check out the Career Rebel Academy. It's where you'll get the individual help and support you need applying the concepts and strategies you're learning here and so much more. You'll be joined by a community of other rebels just like you, and I'll be there as your guide every step of the way. If you're genuinely looking to change the course of your life and career, I promise you, this is the place you'll want to be. Just go to www.carolparkerwalsh.com forward slash career dash rebel dash academy. I can't wait to see you there.